0: There we go. All right. Today we're in the book of Mark chapter 3. And it's a short passage today, verse 31 to 35. (laughs) Sanghar was happy. (laughs) Mark Mark, chapter 3, verse uh, 31 to 35. And just a reminder that this is the word of God. And his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you and he answered him and answered them who are my mother and my brothers and looking about at those who sat around him he said here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of god he is my brother and sister and mother amen all right thanks peter um I'm not going to have slides today, by the way. I uh, thought I'd just try and see how it goes because we're on Zoom, and so um, you can stare at my my face <laughs> for the whole time. Uh, also, hopefully, it encourages us to, you know, have our Bibles and refer back to the Bible and not just have it up on the screen. Um, but yeah, as, as Peter shared, we're continuing through the Mark series. Uh, this series will probably take us um, all the way through to retreat. That's um, not finalized, but that's that's my guess. And so we're just going to stick in Mark for a little while longer. Um, And in today's passage, um, if if you're taking notes and you want a title, uh, today's sermon title is Faith Family. And so that's that's you, Faith Family, Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. All right. Uh, About three Sundays ago, so last, last, last Sunday, uh, we got in the car with Reuben uh, to drive to church, Hunter's Hill. Right. You know, when we used to do that, you know, can't do that now. Hopefully we'll do that very soon. Um, and we just got in the car and we just started driving off. We're out of nowhere. Reuben asked me this question. And um, this question is going to make it seem like I just made this up, but it's not because this question perfectly aligns with the sermon. But what, uh, what Reuben asked me is, uh, is Peter and <laughs> that's what he asked. Is Peter and Daniel family? Now, I'm not going to tell you uh, what I said. Uh, I'll tell you that right at the end, uh, just to make sure you stick around to the end. Um, but what would you say, right, if your kid, and if you don't have a kid, imagine you had a kid, if they asked you one day, um, is so-and-so, right, someone close to you at church, are they family? Right. what do you think your response would be? All right, in today's passage, Jesus is going to give us the, the way to answer that question, right? He's really going to touch on that very specific question. Uh, He's going to talk about the faith family. And as he does, he's going to redefine, number one, what family is. And then secondly, for some of us, he's going to redefine what faith is. So faith family, he's going to redefine the family. He's going to redefine the faith. And so let's going to, we're going to jump into it. Number one, uh, let's talk about family and how Jesus redefines family. Now in verse 31 and 32, it says, uh, Jesus' mother and his brothers came and they're standing outside and they sent to Jesus and they called him. And the crowd was sitting around Jesus, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And so the scenario is Jesus is in the home surrounded by a crowd of people, and his family is outside of the home calling to him because, you know, they want him. Now, what would you do if your family was looking for you, standing outside? I don't know if it was raining, if the weather was cold, like today, and they're calling you because they want to talk to you. I feel like there's some immediate uh, possibilities that come to mind. Uh, number one, you might go out and talk to them, right? That's nice. Uh, number two, maybe you'd invite them in you know the cozy home so you, know, you can have a chat with them. Or well, number three, if you're busy, you'd ask them to wait, right? Send someone and say, you know, sorry, I'm in the middle of something. Can you just wait a little longer? Right? These are all like plausible, uh, kind of realistic, nice kind of responses, I think. Um, but what Jesus does is surprising right, it's none of those things that I named, right, verse 33, this is what Jesus says, he answers the people, who are my mother and my brothers, and looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers, right, it's like Jesus dismisses his family, uh, quite possibly even denies them, and he uses this as an opportunity to redefine family, right? for us and for the crowd around him, This is what family is. Who are my mother and brothers, he asks rhetorically. And he looks around and says, here are my mother and brothers. Now, I just want to clarify what this doesn't mean um, because it's easy to misunderstand uh, what's going on. Jesus isn't um, saying that our physical or biological family, I want to call it our earthly family. He's not saying our earthly family is unimportant. Right? he's not saying just neglect your earthly family, whoever you know gave birth to you, who you know, or maybe raised you up. You know, don't worry about them, cut them out, let them fend for themselves. You know, don't talk to them. Who cares about them? That's not what he's saying, right? And we know that because uh, Jesus he upholds the uh, the Old Testament commandment of honoring your father and mother. Right, so in Mark chapter seven, uh, he actually rebukes the Pharisees for. not upholding that command. He says, uh, Matthew 7, verse 9 to 10, he says, uh, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother, right? So in that passage, Jesus is upholding that command. He's saying you should honor your father and mother, honor your parents, and Jesus as a perfect man fulfilled that perfectly. But second, and maybe most powerfully and beautifully, we see Jesus' love for his family, especially his mother, in John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, Jesus is on the cross. He's dying a slow, excruciatingly painful death. And right before his death, right, when the pain was probably at its peak, we read that Jesus makes it a priority to ensure that his earthly mother, Mary, is taken care of. So John 19, verse 26, it says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, right? We assume that's John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, he says to Mary, woman, behold your son, right? He's talking about John. This is now your son. Verse 27, then he said to the disciple, he says to John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus is dying. He's in a lot of personal pain but he loves and cares for his mother enough to consider her pain that she will go through when she loses a son. And so she insure, he ensures that she has someone to take care of. her. Right? Even though Jesus is busy rescuing the world, he's not too busy to consider her world and to step in and rescue, I guess, that part of her world. Right? And so we see in that beautiful moment that Jesus, he cares for family. He cares for his mother. Right? So Jesus isn't saying, family is unimportant, right? So what Jesus isn't doing is pushing down the importance or value of the earthly family. What he's doing is elevating the spiritual family. He's saying the faith family, the spiritual family, the family you have in Christ is is important, right? He's vastly elevating it, right? Even for some of us who've been in the church, maybe beyond the way that you value your spiritual family. And when you think about your earthly family, uh, they're the most important relationship that we have in our lives, right? For most of us, I would say that's true, right? When we are born into this world and take our first breaths, they are right there, right from the beginning, from the very start, before you know or understand anything, they're there. Before you understand what a family is, you're living in it, you're learning in it, you're raised by it. And arguably, the family is the greatest influence over your life, right? Shaping who you are, how you think, and what you do. Often, they're the closest relationships we have and the most important people that we know, right? All of that is family. And what Jesus is doing is taking that family, the concept that we already understand, and he says, who is my family? And we're thinking it's going to be that, but he says, you are my family. Like this is, I just want to say, this is the, the desire that God has for his people. You know, when you become a Christian, God becomes your father, the Bible says. And therefore, he's your father, uh, he's my father, and he's that person's father. We're all sons and daughters of God. And so that automatically, the, even the terminology, it makes us one big family in Christ. And that's our reality. Right? If you are a Christian, that's our reality. We're already family because of God. And now what's left is that we just start living like one. Right. The second thing I want to say to Christians is, you know, um, I imagine this is hard for various reasons. Um, and maybe some of you, as I say, you know, spiritual family elevated beyond earthly family. You're like, oh, but I, I love my family on earth. Right? I love my parents. Right? I love my siblings. And it feels weird to say that, you know, we, um, the faith family, is more important than the earthly family. Uh, but let me ask you a question just to clarify why I say the spiritual family is more important. Uh, If your earthly family or your parents or your siblings could either remain as your earthly family or be a part of God's family, right, your faith family, Christians, if you had to choose between one of them, right, which one would you choose? You keep them as earthly family, but they're not Christian or they become Christian, but your relationship with them, like it it dies, it gets cut off. If you had to choose between one, which one would you choose? For the Christian, it has to be, I would rather them be a Christian, be a part of God's family, even if I were to lose them in this life on earth. Right? And we never talked again. Right? Because we understand that the spiritual faith family is more important, right? So that's just to kind of clarify why I say this faith family is more important. And to truly, really love your earthly family is to get them into the faith family, right? to get them to be a part of the church so that, you know, you can love Jesus together so that you know that your eternity is secure together. So you know that regardless of what you go through in this life, are well, you going to be with them with eternity, with Christ in eternity? And so before I go to my second point, I want you to think about well, what would it look like for you to treat God's people, right? specifically, I want to bring it down to the local church, the people at Kingsway, what would it look like for you to treat the people at Kingsway as if they were family, right? In what ways are you doing it well? In what ways can you do it better? In what ways are you hesitant and reserved? You know, one of our core values at Kingsway is that we wanna do life together, which is a key part of what family does. Family does life together. They don't just you know meet once in a while together or go through surface level things together. The desire of families that we do it together we do life together we do the joys together we go through the the struggles together we do life together uh, and i can see people fighting for that here at kingsway it's been really encouraging and yet i know that that is a difficult thing for us to uh, keep at and keep growing in but i just want to encourage us to be you know the kind of community uh, the family that does life together and we're not going to be close to everyone not all, I don't know, 90, 100 people in the same kind of way, but at least to, to be that close to a group of people to feel like this is my faith family. Right? That's, that's my hope and desire. And I think that's God's desire for Kingsway as well. So number one, Jesus redefines family. Right? He elevates the faith family right? beyond even the earthly family. And the second, Jesus, he redefines faith. Right? The faith that gets us into that family. Right. I want to talk about the, that kind of faith. Right. So again, what makes someone a part of this faith family? Right. I gave you the answer. It's, it's faith. Um, to be a part of this family where you know, the God of creation and the universe is my father, where Jesus, uh, the son of God, is my brother, uh, where I'm a child of God and we are fellow brothers and sisters. What gets me into that family in the eyes of God it is faith, right? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. A true faith that repents from sin and turns away from my old living, trusts Jesus and follows Him. All right, that is what we need to be a part of this family. And so, look at what Jesus says though in verse thirty-four to thirty-five. Looking about at those who sat around Him, Jesus said, "Here are my mother and my brothers." Verse thirty-five. For whoever does the will of God, and whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. At first glance, it feels like what Jesus is saying is a contradiction to what I just said, right? The gospel. Right? What I said was to be a part of the family. You believe in Jesus. You do nothing, right? It's free. It's faith. What Jesus says here is you have to do something. Whoever does the will of God, right? And so what's going on here and how do we you know, harmonize what's going on? Because Jesus obviously isn't contradicting know the gospel. Now, the way that I'll say it, and you've probably heard this before, faith, what I said, faith that gets you into the family of God, faith is the root of salvation that gets you in the family, but good works, right, doing the will of God, good works is the fruit, is the fruit of salvation. The root of salvation, how you get into the family is faith in Jesus. That's free. You don't do anything. But the fruit of really being a Christian and being a part of that family is what Jesus is talking about here. Whoever does the will of God, the fruit that shows that you really are a person who's a Christian is what Jesus is focusing on. And he says, it's whoever does the will of God. Now I'll give an analogy. I think this is the best analogy um, that helps me understand this. And so probably, you might've heard this before as well, um, but imagine I took an orange seed and I planted this orange seed into some soil over time, the seed germinated, it grew, the plant grows up taller, stronger, you know, branches and leaves you know, emerge. And one day it produces fruit. Right? And then one day I invite you over to my house and I show off to you my orange tree. I'm like, look at this orange tree, isn't it amazing? And even fruit is coming out of this orange tree. And you're admiring the orange tree for a moment. And then you pause, and you go, wait a second. You walk up to the tree, you take off one of its fruit, and you come back to me and you say, Paul, I don't, I don't think this is an orange. You say, look, look here. The skin is an orange. It's red. And the skin's not stuffed like an orange. It's hard. And this fruit's not round. It's like tapered in a weird shape. And then you take a bite out of this orange and it crunches to reveal underneath, not orange flesh, but white flesh. And so with a mouthful of fruit, you say to me, Paul... I don't think this is an orange, this is an apple. And you go back to the tree and you get like an armful of apples and you see, see, look here, apples. Now, let me ask you, what tree do I have? Orange tree, no, I'm just joking, apple tree. I have an apple tree, right, obviously, but if I'm there like, no, it's an orange tree, you're wrong. I'd be a fool, it's an apple tree. How do I know? Because every tree that produces apple fruit, is an apple tree, right? very very basic. Right? Every tree that produces apple fruit is an apple tree. The apple fruit, this is important. The apple fruit doesn't make it an apple tree, but the apple tree makes apple fruit. And right? do you get that distinction? The apple fruit doesn't make it an apple tree. It's not like when the apple fruit emerged that suddenly the tree became an apple tree It turned from an orange tree to an apple tree. No, it always was an apple tree. And because it always was an apple tree, apple trees produce apple fruit. And when I saw the fruit, I said, oh, I see and understand that always was an apple tree. So every tree that produces apple fruit is an apple tree. And what Jesus is saying is that every person who produces Christian fruit is a Christian tree, right? Every person who produces Christian fruit doing the will of God is a Christian tree, is a part of this family. So notice he says, he who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. He says, if you produce the fruit, you are a part of this family. He doesn't say you become a part of this family. The fruit doesn't make you a part of the family, but it's showing. It's proving that you already are. Just like the apple fruit proves the tree always was an apple. Tree. Now that's a long way of saying what Jesus is saying it's not contradiction contradicting salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone because the root of salvation is the gospel what Jesus is talking about is not the root he's talking about the fruit of salvation the fruit that proves that you truly are a believer and he says the fruit that Christians bear is that they do the will of God and so i want to look at your fruit, everyone around me who is doing the will of God, well, you know that you are indeed a part of the family of God. Right, does that make sense? This is really important. Because I feel like for some of us, this is redefining our understanding of faith here today. The relationship and the balance between faith and works can be tricky. We're saved by faith. It's free. But I'm told to do all this stuff. Right? How do they work together? And because it can be a little bit tricky, we tend to lean toward one side more than the other, and it's easy to fall into an imbalance. Uh, Sometimes we fall too much towards works, losing the faith. We read passages about God's holiness and God's demands for us, and we mistakenly think that this is what I need to do to be a part of the family of God, to be loved by God, to be a Christian. Because I did this. He loves me because I didn't do this, right? He doesn't love me, whatever, right? We we emphasize the works too much and we lose the faith and grace element, right? But that's not right because the fruit doesn't make the tree, right? Your fruit doesn't make you a Christian tree. What makes you a Christian tree is believing in the gospel, right? The fruit doesn't make the tree. But on the other side of this imbalance is that we lean toward faith and grace, and we let go of the works, and I feel like that is more common for us at Kingsway to fall into, because, you know, we say we're gospel-centered, and we talk about the gospel a lot, we talk about grace a lot, we emphasize that you're saved just by believing it's free, it's a gift from God, but what can end up happening is that we treat the grace that we have through faith like a a get-out-of-jail card, and we just stick it in our pocket, So that one day, if I need it, when I stand before God, I'm going to pull it out and say, God, don't worry about all my sins. I've got this, right? I believe. But, you know, until I need it, I'm going to stick it into my pocket and live my life the way that I want to. I'm just going to make my own decisions. Your rules and your desires and commands for me, they're not really going to impact me. I'm just going to live the way that I desire. And so we have faith, we have grace, but works is kind of thrown out the window. Salvation is free, so I'm free to do what I want without obeying God's law. Because sin is freely forgiven, we treat sin lightly. God's going to forgive me anyway. God's a God of grace and understanding, isn't he? I'm just going to sin. He won't mind me breaking a few little rules. And we say things like that. Of course, he minds his son died for your sin. And that's the other side of that imbalance. And Jesus is is trying to talk about that imbalance today. To a people that might have surrounded him and said, Oh, I believe, or you know, I grew up in the church, or you know, yeah, it's free, right? Salvation's free. He would say, But are you doing the will of God in your life? Are you obeying him? Are you bearing that fruit? Because that is the proof you truly are a Christian. The person who does the will of God, he is and she is in the family of God. It doesn't make you a part of the family of God, but it's showing that you are already part of the family of God. If you're not doing the will of God in your life consistently, persistently, by breaking God's rules, sinning, that Jesus is saying you're not a part of his family. Regardless of what you say, what the people around you say about you, regardless of what position you're holding the church, if your life is not obeying God, right? Like it's just drenched in sin and disobedience and a lack of regard for sin, then he's saying that you're not actually a part of the family of God. The fruit doesn't make the tree, but the tree makes the fruit. And so if you're a Christian tree, you need to produce fruit. Now I need to clarify what obedience is here because on this side of heaven, um, our obedience is going to be, um, you know, imperfect. Um, so, I'm just going to make Daniel host. He's asking to be host. All right. You know, on this side of heaven, our obedience will never, like, be perfect. Um, it's going to be messy, and sometimes we'll get more things wrong than the things we get right. But if I were to, like, really um, whittle it down to its its most important elements, I would ask you, do you love Jesus, right? Do you love your king? Do you hate the things that he hates, right? Do you hate sin, or Even though you commit them, even though sometimes you you feel like you like to do them, is there this part of your soul deep down that even after you you commit them because you wanted to do it, you look back and there's just this grieving in your heart and you, and you want to overcome sin. Is that you? And do you repent and turn, desire to repent, turn away from your sin and chase after Jesus and obey him? Right? Are those things in your life? If they are, then I think they're the fruit of obedience because they're all the things that Jesus tells us to do. So again, I'm not saying perfect obedience, but do you love Jesus? Do you hate sin? And do you desire to follow after him? I think you need those at least. And if you don't, if you don't hate the things he hates, and if you treat sin lightly and you don't care about his rules, then you may not be doing the will of God. And therefore you may not be a part of his family. Now that's Jesus' words, okay? And get angry at me. If you're sitting here feeling weighed down by the thought that you aren't obeying uh, God, and therefore you may not be a part of his family, um, then I want to encourage you that that place you're in is a good place to be. Right? The fact that you care about the, your sin and the fact that you care that you may not be a part of his family. That's, that's great. Because the fact that you care means that the spirit is at work in your life. Um, Quite possibly, it means you already are a Christian. Uh, It just means you need to bear more fruit. Uh, But either way, the first response for all of us is not, well, I better try harder to bear more fruit. The first response is always to go back to the root of salvation, to the gospel, uh, to remind ourselves that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, to remind ourselves that despite the week or the months that we've lived, forgiveness is free. To remind ourselves that jesus is all that we are not for us and that if i really believe in him i am loved and i am welcomed to begin there and from there bear the fruit of salvation rely on the Spirit's strength to produce good fruit to obey to fight sin to cut things out of your life right to share with people to keep them keep you accountable to pray about these things that you want to break away right, in terms of addiction or bad decisions and habits. Right, but start with grace and ask God to bear fruit. You know, my main concern as I close off is not for those of us who feel, um, you know, weighed down uh, by, you know, the, oh, I'm not obeying enough. Uh, my main concern is those of us who through this sermon have zoned off uh, thinking, of course, I'm in the family of God. I'm great. I'm good. I'm a great Christian. Um, Maybe you are. Maybe you are. uh, Maybe you're a great Christian. And uh, I praise God for that. You know, one positive thing we can take away from this passage is that if you are bearing good fruit, then that is evidence that you are a Christian. And so if your life is going well, you know, by the grace of God, then you can look at the fruit that you're bearing and the sins that you're overcoming and say, wow, this is a part of what God is doing. I am a Christian. That's good. But at the same time, there might be some of us who are thinking, I'm good, I'm in the family of God, um, when um, it's just maybe pride, or, you know, you just grew up in the church, so you assume that you're a Christian, Um, you know the answers, so you assume you're a Christian, but you don't have, again, the hatred for sin, you're not obeying the will of God, you're just really living your own life. You know, in this story, Uh, The people who you would assume to be a part of God's, uh, Christ's faith family are not. Uh, Jesus could have redefined family and said, and my earthly family is obviously a part of this because, you know, they lived with me most of my life and they know me best. So I'm going to redefine family, but my family is going to be a part of it. That's, That's not what happens in this story. Those who you would assume to be a part of the faith family aren't. His mother, his brothers, at least in this point, right in my understanding, is that they live closest to him and they knew him best, but they're the ones standing outside. They don't come and see Jesus. They want Jesus to come to them outside, right? There's this kind of contrast between the crowd and the family. And some of us, we, we grew up in the church right, with Jesus. And we may be those who everyone would assume would be in the family of God, uh, who know Jesus best, know the answers. um, But that doesn't mean necessarily automatically that you're a part of his family. Right, again, do you believe in the gospel? Have you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? But then also, are you bearing the fruit of a Christian? Are you doing the will of God? Those things must be there to truly be certain of your place in the family all right so as i close jesus redefines family he elevates the faith family kind of even beyond our earthly family and says this is the eternal family this is the one that will last forever and so if you have earthly family not in the spiritual family the faith family you want them to be a part of that one and then jesus redefines faith right for some of us it's not a cheap faith it's a faith that obeys bears the fruit An apple tree bears apple fruit. If you're bearing orange fruit, it doesn't matter what you call yourself, the fruit is revealing what you really are. And so if I go back to the introduction, um, what did I say to Reuben when he asked me, you know, is Peter and Daniel family? Um, I don't remember, to be honest, exactly what I said, uh, but I do remember the first word I said, and the first word I said uh, was no. <laughs> um, but even as I said it, I'm uh, just being honest. Even as I said it, um, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said no. Um, I regretted messing up this God-given opportunity to teach my son uh, about um, the faith family. And then I spent the next 15 seconds trying to like cover up my mess. And I, I remember at least what I said was, um, because of Jesus, we're kind of like family." right and so that's kind of close um but i think that's what it is um however you you say it uh, my my hope is that we would be able to say that for each other right you'll be able to when people are like you know house kingsway or you know this and that you'll be able to say they're my family right this is my faith family Right, family again is not perfect family's messy family has some you know particular members that you know might uh, make your life a bit harder than others but family's family right? and this is my family. I think that's what Jesus is saying here, and I think that's what God wants us to be. All right, so we're going to split off into um, our groups and have a discussion. Um, if, if you're not comfortable with this, um, you're, you're free to leave, um, but we've put everyone into a discussion group, and we're going to discuss this question. I'll paste it here. Um, in what ways, we're going to go back to the first point I talked about. So in what ways can you treat, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't copy it properly. In what ways can you treat Kingsway and the people here more like a faith family? And what will you do or change in light of this? And so I just want to talk about like, you know, how, how you're going with treating each other like family. Is there any difficulties? Or is there something you can do to, to do better at it? And what can you do? What will you actually do, practically do?